Greetings and salutations, Magic City Soccer listeners. This is uh, co-host Matthew Bunch speaking. Just a quick technical note. As you listen to today's episode, you may notice that my audio is a bit choppy, um, especially for the first few minutes. That does improve slightly as we go on. Uh, It doesn't fully redeem itself until the end of the episode. Uh, Our sincere apologies, my sincere apologies for that. However, please do stick with us. Uh, You should be able to understand me. And it's our theory that it's better to have an episode with a slight technical glitch than no episode at all. Uh, We'll be back next week, hopefully without any technical issues. And as always, thank you for listening. Enjoy. This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. Woo-hoo! This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, a Day Brigade podcast, and your home for everything you need to know about soccer in my county. Hello, soccer fans in South and beyond, and welcome to our show. I am Matthew Bunch. I have returned from my one-week-long sabbatical. Happy to be back with the fellas tonight. We do have a full uh, a full boat, a full house with us tonight, uh, joining us, as always, uh, or unless we are previously disposed, and we have wonderful guests come in and, and fill in. Uh, first off, uh, let's start with Omar Mubayat, who did a wonderful job driving the ship uh, last week. Omar, how you doing, pal? Why don't you go away and let me drive the ship again? I think that'll be better. Okay, <laughs> we've created a power struggle. We have created a yes, power struggle. Yes, we have! <laughs> I need to be the strong man in this situation. I am taking over. I'm the captain now. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, don't worry, we'll get to, uh, we'll get to Premier League soon enough. Um, and then, uh, Drew Hausman. Drew Hausman, how you doing, buddy? Um, I'm doing good enough, good as I can be. Uh, interesting week in soccer, but uh, we'll jump into that in a second. Yeah, it was a, a, an interesting, that's a good way to put it, I think, an interesting week as, uh, you know, we've kind of gotten accustomed, I guess, in these last couple of months, really since we started the podcast, to coming on to, to for the most part, good news. Uh, that has taken a decided turn south in the last couple of weeks and especially really capped off uh, with what we saw Saturday, a game between Miami FC and Rio OKC, uh, you know, a team that has really started, not started, has given Miami FC trouble from the jump, especially at home. Uh, Miami FC now with two losses against Rio OKC uh, at FIU Stadium. It was a nothing game. Uh, a goal scored by Michelle of Rio OKC in the 71st minute was the difference. Uh, Richie Ryan red carded near the very end of the game uh, in the 89th minute, received a straight red. Um... There's a lot to unpack here, I think, and, and I'm going to turn it over uh, to to you guys kind of to digest this a little bit. Uh, Omar, uh, what's your takeaway from this game? Uh, not good. Uh, it's not not good. It's it's not where you want to be. You've given up crucial points at home now to two teams that you should have been, one in Puerto Rico FC and the second in Rio OKC. Um, if you're trying to make a serious push for the playoffs, as Miami FC is stating that they are, uh, or you know, acting as if they would like to be in the playoffs, the performance on the pitch is not up to par for those standards. It's it's just not. You shouldn't be dropping points to either two of those teams. Um, and you know what? You've got four games left on the season, and we're going to go ahead and look at the table in the near future. It, every game's a must win. 
And I know it's cliche, and I talked about cliches last week, uh, how they make me want to throw up after a little while, but every game now is a must-win because you have to go ahead and pound on the points as soon as possible. The idea of winning the fall season is now, you know, for all intents and purposes, out the window. The only way in is uh, through the combined table. Yeah, and with that, uh, Edmonton actually, I believe, clinched the, the third spot for the combined table. So not only do we have to get in through the combined table, but there is only uh, one slot left, and we're kind of in the middle of that race. Uh, with with all the games happening around us, it, it would have been really clutch for us to win, but uh, losing a point to, to Rio at home definitely uh, was a kick in the sack, as the kids say. Um, I got to give it up to Rio, though. They they played fairly decently. I, I feel like that was a game we should have won. Uh, I mean, they're better on paper than uh, Puerto Rico, but nonetheless, uh, you know, we, we should have won that game. <laughs> And you know what? Like, before we go back to Matt here real quick, I, I kind of want to ask you guys a quick question. Um, is it just me or are you guys noticing a very disturbing trend with teams coming into FIU Stadium and just parking the bus and saying, we dare you to finish in the final third? Because Puerto Rico FC, in my opinion, did not uh, attack strongly or consistently. And even in the Rio OKC game, it almost seemed as if they were content walking out with a point and they snuck in the goal. So they walked away with all three. Um, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but it, it seems like this is a tactic around the league that's been expressed. I'm not saying that managers talk to each other because we all know they don't. But teams are coming in and they're parking the bus. And they're telling Miami, we dare you to score in the final third. You know, I think this has been a, uh, uh, a constant past couple of months that if they're... The early regarding the team and how it was functioning was related to the back line and, and how it's And I think... You know, for the most that that issue, if it hasn't resolved itself, it's gotten a lot better and it's kind of evened out. However, the other issue was scoring when opportunities are given. That that MFC could sometimes cobble the goals and string them in. And I've seen some games where they've been quite explosive, but consistently maintaining a an attack that translates from team to team and game to game and venue to venue. I think that had been a real issue that the we had. Largely been relying on, you know, uh, you know, we had joked that uh, that Darius Vitanich had scored nothing but penalties for, you know, basically two months. Um, we we seem to be feast or famine, and I think I don't know if that has ever really resolved it, that that the game to game you can't attack. And we'll talk about consistency and in, in game to game consistency in a couple of minutes because I know that has been a huge topic of discussion. Um, but I think that is a problem, Omar. And, and I mean, again, it's something we talked about. We've had one goal in the brigade end in in three months. Um, you know, there is that's a concern. Yeah, not not to be a complete NASL fanboy. I mean, maybe maybe they kind of the jig is up and they've kind of figured us out. But uh, I feel like Rayo has a pretty pretty solid uh, defensive midfield and backline. Um, I would just like to to say that Derek Boateng on Rayo OKC is probably one of the the better. Uh, defensive midfield players uh, in, the, in the league. Uh, I don't know. I, I felt like they, they played a solid game. We, I, we'll get into it more. We, we had our chances. The offensive strategy may have not been the best, but uh, with the possession being uh, 
Uh, it was like 62-37, something like that. We we definitely had the ball. Yeah, they were, they were parking the bus, but there should have been opportunity for us. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch the entirety of the game. Uh, Drew, I know you were at the game. Um, 63% possession, is that something that seems accurate? Is that another fudgy match center number that we talked <laughs> about last week? <laughs> the uh, chest stop yes. clock. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I mean, yeah. I think I think it was pretty accurate, uh, but I feel like Miami just kind of takes this offensive strategy of okay, we're either gonna run it directly through the middle and just try to La Liga punch our way through the middle of the box, or uh, we're we're gonna spend the whole game crossing it, but all of our crosses are just gonna completely loop through and then go to the other side. Uh, this was one of the games where we just couldn't hit anything or get to the center or make anything productive. Um, looking at the numbers, we had we had 13 corner kicks that game, and you know that that should say something that that we were aggressively attacking, and they were just doing a great job clearing the ball, but also off off 13 corners, let alone any other offensive uh, possession or strategy. You should be able to, uh, especially you know, very NASLE, but you should be able to make some opportunity off error based off those. You know, I mean, in any league, you should be able to convert on 13 corners. Agreed, and I would say that that's been I would say that's 13. been a concern for this team again consistently. The idea of of running and, and operating an offense in which you consistently put yourself in positions to score and then on a reasonable basis convert those opportunities. Now I don't think Miami FC is a a team that you know can't score. I mean we've obviously seen that hasn't been the case, and and in fact ironically. Going back to kind of what Omar mentioned, their game, their game, I feel, travels better on the road than it even does at home. I feel like they, I mean, I could be wrong. I would have to go back game by game and kind of add it up, but I feel like they've scored more goals on the road than they have at home. If they have those big offensive explosions, it tends to be on the road, and I don't know what that's about, but I do know that we have sat after these games, after some of these home games, and looked at some of these numbers sometimes and says, and how do you have 60% possession and don't score? How do you have 10, 11, 12 crosses and only put in one, uh, you know, considering the talent that's available um, to this team? Um, yeah, it's a concern. It is definitely a concern. And, and as we talked about, you know, as Omar mentioned, we're basically riding it out from here to the end of the season, not because we are particularly uh, – not because we were from the fourth, but because there are three teams basically in our way sitting on similar point totals. Um, so you've got to keep winning because at some point one of those teams is going to catch up to you. Yeah, and I, I feel like just kind of the, the Miami attitude and kind of being a, a major sports city where we have every, you know, major sport, kind of everybody always says, you know, win or nothing, win or nothing. I mean, clearly if we don't win, we're a franchise team. Getting as far as we did was a good job, but if we want to kind of maintain our attendance numbers, survive in this league, survive with the, the Beckham cloud around, you know, we, we have to at least, you know, I feel like we should make the playoffs. And kind of the other thing, too, is uh, if you look at our attendance for that game, obviously there was the UMFSU game, but uh, we had – are roughly around 4,000 people. It was another promo night. Uh, you know, where, where other nights we were, you know, Puerto Rican Heritage Night, it was 10,000 people. But tonight there was only 4,000, which was 1,000 more than our our Wednesday night home game. So uh, our, our home record isn't that great. So 
it just makes me wonder, is this kind of going to affect attendance in the future, which is overall going to gonna be what drives this franchise? Well, like I was saying in, in within our group and within Day Brigade, and I fully expected UMFSU to play a big part in attendance. And everybody looked at me, no, you're crazy. UMFSU is only a, a certain population, and you have a lot of other people who are going to go to the game. And, and, you know, they kind of gave me all these reasons why I was wrong. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say I told you so. Um, but at the same time, like, they do impact. But you told us so. <laughs> but I told you so, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's... Uh, honestly, uh, and this is going to sound like a criticism of, of front office and, and kind of marketing, um, and I really don't mean it to be at all. Like, please, please do not misunderstand this. I appreciate what they were trying to do. Uh, and again, this kind of goes counterintuitive to what we generally say as fans of this team, they should have probably just chalked this game up as bad attendance and eaten it. And, and kind of, and another thing that probably did pay, play into the numbers is the fact that, you know, after the effects or lack thereof of, of Hurricane Matthew, there was a lot of uncertainty. Uh, the appearance by P-Bay was canceled and rescheduled, I should say. We'll talk about that later. Um, everything broke bad. You know what I mean? I look at that 4,000 number and I'm actually kind of, I'm not encouraged by it, but I'm not discouraged either because that's still a, for NASL, not a bad number in general. And, you know, they were going against what is most likely the biggest sporting event in South Florida this year. Um, I think that that's fine. But I do think there is something to be said about the fact if you constantly roll the ball out there and limp yourself to 1-0 wins or even, you know, the, the, the home game on Wednesday, I mean, it was fantastic at the end to come back and crawl away with the win, but... You know, do yourself a lot more favors with a game in which you you win at the end three two, instead of you know such a low scoring affair. People need to be entertained. We're going to be there. As supporters, we're going to be there. Whatever the case may be, the casual fan is what the team really needs to reach for. And sometimes we don't want to admit this as a supporters group because we feel like everyone should be like us, but not everyone is like us, and that's okay. We need a little bit of everyone. If if we exclude ourselves, if we exclude it to only people like us, there's going to be a really small audience, and so the team does need to be aware of that. And sometimes, you know, there's there's only one UMFSU game every other year, and sometimes you can chalk it up. and And they ought to be crawling on hands and knees right. two yeah. years from now, begging for a Friday night game on UMFSU, or put it in the well. No, they're going to you know make it an away game, whatever the case may be. This is a this is a game, you know, a weekend in which they're just going to take the loss. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so, again, you know, this game, we can sit here and analyze it to death. Obviously, Miami FC had a bulk of the possession, had, uh, I would say, a bulk of the chances, uh, but just weren't able to convert. Um, and, again, you know, we've had people in rumblings about formation. We've talked about players in and out of form, solid 11s. And, and at the end of the day, it's just you're, you're not executing. And that's the biggest problem. If the 11 that you throw out on the pitch as a gaffer does not execute, you're going to be in for a long night. You're going to be in for a long night. And it, and it's crazy because I'm looking at the passing numbers, and, and it clearly shows that Miami FC should have dominated this game. But if you can't beat that back four, you can't beat the back four. You're not going to win the game. Yeah, the other the other thing that made it painful was just the fact that uh, Rayo OKC scored off uh, PK. Uh, Michelle, I believe, got his uh, 11th goal in the year. And it was off a, a Rhett Bernstein handball. Uh, I mean, the the handball seemed to be pretty legit. It wasn't <laughs> very intentional, but it was enough where it was a handball. Um, 
you know, obviously I was in the stadium, so it was the worst call in the world at the moment. But uh, as as <laughs> as I rewatched it, uh, he was he was starting to flap his wings, you know, like his hands were unintentionally going up as his body was shifting, and he he just caught the ball. So you know that 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 was kind of worse, where it's like, ah, Jesus, we're we're losing off a of PK here, and then. Uh, you know, not to complain too much about the referees because they weren't as horrific tonight or that night. But uh, that that Richie Ryan red card. I mean, at that point, the game was already over. But uh, that that call being a straight red was fairly ridiculous. Uh, it was a yellow at best, but uh, you know he got sent off, and now it, it's going to come down to the next game. You know. Maybe it's maybe it's good, you know. We haven't played with Ryan that much uh, during our winning streak. Uh, I'm not trying to knock him, but uh, you know, maybe somebody else will come through and step up on that. Um, one of the other things too is, uh, you know, Poku didn't start, Dario didn't start. They ended up coming in as subs, but that's uh, that's another thing where it comes down to to roster. You know, we, we keep switching it down because we have so much depth now. Now that everybody seems to be healthy or fairly healthy. Uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis, the team can change so much. Yeah, I think that's actually a good um, uh, a good transition. I mean, it's not really transition because we're still going to be talking about the game, I presume. But um, it's a good segue, that's a good way to put it, uh, into something that uh, has been uh, burning up our, our local uh, 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 chat, uh, this idea of, of man management. Uh, and, and focusing on the the, the Alessandro Nesta and some of his decisions uh, that have been made about kind of maintaining the integrity of your starting eleven versus man rotation and keeping fresh. And I think considering what we've seen both in this spring season in total and what we've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks, I think it's a, it's an interesting discussion to have. Uh, so let's talk about it. Um, Drew, let's start with you. What, what, do you, what do you think about uh, some of the decisions made by Alessandro Nesta in terms of uh, the squad on a game-to-game basis? Well, uh, with, the, with the squad, I mean, it, one of the things we talked about very early uh, with this podcast was kind of the, the lack of experience in the NASL with, with the squad we started off with in the spring season. And I, and I think that was a major factor because uh, we, we brought in a lot of outside players. We, we had very minimal players with league experience. Um, it, it was kind of one of those very optimistic situations where it's like, hey, let's, gra- you know, let's grab all these players from external, you know, League 2 European leagues or freaking uh, Sweden Liga 1 or, you know, wherever we grab these guys from, mix them together and they're going to be the dream team. And uh, it, it clearly didn't work out, um, whether that be a uh, front office issue on who picked the players or a coaching issue. Uh, spring season was not was not great. Uh, w- one of the things that kind of ticked me off with, with Nesta in the beginning of the season, and it wasn't necessarily him. I think he kind of got baited into the question. But I, I remember there was a time where a reporter basically asked him, like, how are you transitioning yeah. to American soccer? And he played it off like it was his, you know, his first time around the block. Uh, I mean, this is this is a guy, you know, he played two he played two years in the MLS uh, as a defender. 
obviously he was older, but uh, it's it's not a new experience to him. You know, obviously he was being coached by somebody at that point. I've, I, I feel like there should have been a better grasp of the league. Um, but then obviously we had we had our time off in the in the break. We spent a ridiculous amount of money on players and we started winning. And that's where it gets kind of questionable. You know, I, I can't really gauge the coaching because we started winning, but at the same time we spent millions of dollars on, on players. So is it just a, a matter of, hey, we got great players and we're playing better? Or we got great players, we're coaching them decently, and we're doing okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't think he's doing a great job, but at the same time, is he the, is he the – best coach in the NASL? No. Is he the worst coach? No. And I don't think he will be out next year. I think because of his uh, his roots in Italian soccer, uh, he's a great draw, so we'll keep him on. And I think with our our, uh, our partial ownership, they kind of have a very uh, Italian-rooted fan base or, or kind of uh, appeal to them. So I, I think he'll stick around. It's... It's just kind of frustrating. I don't know. I'm rambling. Somebody else take it over. <laughs> Omar, what do you think? Um, look, Nesta is on the short list for being NASL Manager of the Year. Is Nesta going to win Manager of the Year? Probably not. Um, and, I, and I think Drew hit it on the head. What is the cause of the major improvement between spring and fall? Is it the acquisitions? Yeah, they play a part. Is it the gaffer? Yeah, he plays a part. Is it possibly a combination of the both? Yeah, absolutely. It could be both. But I think what, what irks Miami SC fans the most is the following. Uh, once Miami SC started on their abysmal run in the spring season, um, Miami SC ownership and management and, and, and really the technical players, not technical players, technical <laughs> team, uh, said the cup run is what's going to be important. We want to make sure that we have a solid cover. Oh. What did they do? They went ahead and they threw out a freaking experimental 11 because I don't want to curse. It was just horrid. It was a horrid experimental 11. It didn't work. That you lose, what was it, 2-1 to Wilmington? Terrible. Um, now you come in the spring season and, yes, players are hurt, so you're going to see a flux in your 11 and you're going to see a flux in your 18. But as players are coming back and getting healthy, you can't just all of a sudden start inserting guys into the squad. Listen, I get it. Does NASL have a cup kind of competition that allows for some of the more reserve or bench players to get playing time? No. Why? The United States only has the U.S. Open Cup. There is no other type of cup or open competition for these players to get playing time in currently. So, yeah, you do have to find a way to work them back in the squad. But... If your starting 11 from the last couple games has been solid and has been in unison and has been in form, why are you messing with it? There's no point. Listen, I understand that Jaime Chavez is a good striker, but he got hurt and all of a sudden the strikers, you know what? They were the next men up. They did their jobs. The midfield had some injuries with Richie Ryan and LaHood went down for a little bit. LaHood came back, earned his starting spot back. But Richie Ryan comes in this game, and again, it's not a knock to Richie Ryan, but again, you've been on the shelf for what? Four months. Any player, it doesn't matter what caliber in the world, if you're going to miss an ample amount of time, there's going to be rust involved. And the problem is, does Miami FC have the ability to endure rust at this point in time with their title chase and with the playoff push? And the answer is no. So 
where's the where's the blame? I, I mean, yes, we're gonna have a group of fans blaming Nesta. Deservingly so, maybe. I'm not gonna sit here and write him off because, as you said, I do believe he'll be back for next season. But at the same time, is it the technical director's fault? Right, yeah, that that's a fair argument because you know why are we taking chances? With our playoff push. Yes, we're an expansion side. To be in the playoffs as an expansion side would be a fantastic achievement. One that NASL doesn't normally see. However, when you spend the amount of money that you're spending on these guys. You know what? You raise the expectation for yourself. And you raise the expectation on that fan base. Yeah, I will say this about that. Uh, the, the the kind of impetus for this conversation is a, a piece that uh, our good friend and fellow Day Brigade member and former and future uh, Magic City Soccer co-host Lee Eifens wrote on uh, Reddit the other day. Uh, and, and and Lee has, uh, has been very clear about his opinions regarding, uh, you know, where responsibility may fall. And his opinions on, on how much that should fall on Alessandro Nesta's head, that has wavered. But he has been very clear and articulate about his general opinion of what, what may be holding the team behind. Uh, and I, I want to read from his excerpt a bit. It's, you know, gather around. It's uh, reading time with uh, Matt. Uh, but I, I, I thought this particular... <laughs> this Get your milk and cookies. Oh, God. Um, oh God. This particular paragraph... <laughs> this particular Daddy, paragraph like kind of grabbed cocoa? me. Um uh, when he was talking about, you know, he was referencing the fact that, uh, you know, you have uh, uh, the manager, uh, you have uh, Petrozoli as the technical director, you have uh, Lorenzo Rubinacci um, as the sport, as assistant. And he, can, he can kind you of identified. The, the last one with a little more flair? Lorenzo Rubinacci. Okay, I'll take that. Lorenzo Rubinacci. Right, so, uh, I was doing the hand gestures, so, you know, we will be talking about that in a couple of moments. Yes. Just so, you know, foreshadowing. Um, but I do want to read regarding uh, Lee is kind of addressing all three of them, and in his, in his post he writes, "But what unites them all is a lack of NASL experience. Time and time again, we are told that knowing the ins and outs of the league and North American soccer in general is a massive help. We don't have this. Nest is a one-dimensional tact is one-dimensional tactically. We play this somewhat narrow four-three-one-two that converts to a four-three-three when needs be." But this doesn't work all the time, and it's holding us back at home. Miami FC has the worst record at home in the entire league. Broadly, teams come here and congest the midfield and play for what they can get. Parking the bus is not required, just cutting off the supply works. Uh, That kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Omar. And I think it is something valid to concern. That is something that is a valid concern, something that is worth discussing. Um, The tactical imagination that is sometimes necessary when, when your your back is put up against the wall. Uh, basically, you know, I'm not an expert in soccer. I'm a fan. I consider myself a pretty savvy fan, but I'm not an expert. I don't feel that I can hold my own in an argument with, with a truly cultured fan when it comes to the ins and outs of strategy and tactics that are deployed. However, through my novice eyes, it, it has been my view that sometimes, again, kind of, moving away from specifics about the sport, more general just kind of overview stuff, that sometimes Alessandro Nesta can be a little bit uh, late to the trigger in terms of making kind of broad swipe changes that sometimes are necessary. Uh, You know, and that maybe reflects that he has a vision and he wants to maintain it and he has an idea for what the team should look like and he wants to hold on to that. And I get that. However, 
when we watch our other teams, when we watch maybe our teams either nationally or at club level, that kind of hesitance to pull the trigger on changes combined with failure for things to change if you do not pull the trigger generally leads to some valid questioning asked. Is the manager a little bit too gun-shy in terms of making switches? You know, we've often talked about, you know, how we expect changes at halftime and they don't come until minute 60 or minute 65 or minute 70. Uh, you know, we, we joke about it, but pa- Pablo Campos, you know, whether you support or do not support him playing at all, when he does get playing time, it's generally not very often. And so what are you doing there? If 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 you have the idea that you want to get him acclimated and playing more, then get him acclimated and playing more. Don't just waste five minutes. Um, but, you know, you're kind of wasting everyone's time there. Uh, now, I'm of the view, and I, I promise I will stop talking in a second because I'm blabbering on too long. I'm not of the view that this needs to be a nest out situation or that there even be changes really with the, tacti- the, the, the technical support. Um, but as I constantly go back to, to Drew because to me, when I have questions or when I have observations about the NASL, really the person I go to, one, because he's kind of easy to contact for me, but two, because I know he has a depth of knowledge is on par anyway. Uh, in terms of viewing the NASL, and first things Drew said to me when we started talking about this team last year was the idea that you have L knowledge, not even North American soccer knowledge, but NASL knowledge because of the nature of this league. And I do think sometimes, though technical support has experience and, and a, uh, as Lee said, a CV that matches up with anyone, their knowledge and experience with this league is not there. And, it, and that's not necessarily a mark on them overall in terms of, of their soccer experience. In fact, it kind of reflects a lot of very good experience not to their league. But you need that voice in the room. You need someone who has an awareness of this league, and I think that is where we might see a bit of lacking. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm awake. <laughs> I've seen the light. Oh, God. <laughs> How long did I snore on? Did I snore on tape? I hope not. No, no listen, I'm, I'm giving you a hard time, but uh, but <laughs> I'm giving you a hard time. But um, listen, I, that 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 is, I'm trying to see how to word so it. So many gasps. He is, so many gasps. I'm I'm so uh, speechless. No, the insinuation that you need NASL knowledge, and I kind of want to pose this question to Drew because Drew is our resident, you know, NASL expert. Um, what is it about this league that requires that knowledge? Because while I understand, right, if you have knowledge in, in Serie A, and if you have knowledge in the Bundesliga or Ligue 1 or Premier League or MLS or, or Liga MX, any of those leagues, the style of play is different, but I think it's more geared because of the quality of play or the quality of players that you have uh, disposable to you. Is that kind of what you mean by understanding NASL, just understanding the quality of players, or does it go beyond that? Um, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily necessarily quality of players. I think kind of on NASL is, uh, to describe the league, it would be organized chaos. Um, <laughs> that's, the, that's the best way to put it, you know. Um, just, like, looking, looking back on the past... Uh, uh, you know, I always go back to the Strikers. I'm, I was a former Strikers fan, but uh, Gunther Kronsteiner brought one of the lower-paying NASL teams to the playoffs, uh, and then you know got got the team sold off, and then they brought in all these expensive Brazilian players, and and it just didn't work out. But I think part of the thing is just hmm. the unexpectedness, or or maybe you know you put a great guy up front. Uh, I'm gonna 
shout out to my man Vincenzo Reniela because I feel like during that rail game he had one of the better games. Uh, there was that one point that he just had an amazing kind of like <laughs> no look back heel flick to I think it was Martinez or something, and then you know Martinez was running up on it and just stopped the run because he didn't expect it coming. It, it's it's one of those things where uh, <laughs> I don't I don't think players with the experience are kind of predicting what the players without experience are going to do so it becomes like a, a giant clusterfuck <laughs> you know like the the better <laughs> players are kind of anticipating something that's going to happen from the other player but the other player is the next I, I'm, I feel like I'm describing this terribly but I, I'll go back to my organized chaos theory and and maybe that and maybe that that can be tied back to Nesta, where he he came from Italy. You know, he's he's used to playing at Syria, like top level, you know, top twenty defender of all time status. And then you know he played MLS. Maybe he didn't give a shit when he was playing there. Or, you know, he cared when he was playing there, but not in a coaching aspect. And then you get told, you know, it's it's maybe like taking a. You know, an MLS player and telling him to coach a fucking sixteen-year-old uh, um, high school freshman team. You know, you you want to employ all these tactics. You have good intentions, but uh, maybe it just doesn't pay off. And I, I think that's kind of what we're going to see next year if we can retain a core base of these players. How much of that coaching will pay off? Because. Um, I, you know, I don't want to completely bash Nesta. I don't want to completely bash the front offices. We are a new franchise. We are doing fairly well. Uh, thank God we didn't end up like uh, the Jacksonville Armada. But maybe it's a situation where he's, you know, uh, some, uh, what's that? What's that Coolio song? Gangster's Paradise? <laughs> yeah. How can he reach them? How can he reach them? But you know, the I thing that Matt, I thought of when you were describing that... Uh, go ahead, Omar. Go ahead. I was going to say, but given what he said, it sounds like it's, it's, it's a player quality issue. Like, I mean, and, and again, you know, I understand that it's not all revolving around player quality, but it seems to sound like that, that's what the case is. Because if there are players of a certain quality expecting a ball or expecting the field to shift in a certain position, and then it doesn't, uh, I mean, then it is an overall player quality issue, right? Matt, can I... I I'll, if, I'll, go ahead. I, I was going to say, too, and, and part of that, it, it all loops around to maybe the roster shifting around so much. So, you know, because we're a franchise team, we we have, you know, we had the, the, the spring roster and then we had the fall roster and maybe they didn't get enough time to gel together, practice to get together or whatever. But I, I feel like that can that can play into that field where you know we have one of the deepest rosters in in the league, and you know maybe they just all don't understand each other. You know, it, it seems like one of that could be a, a possibility. Also, I'm 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 defending right now. I'm defending. <laughs> if I no, I understand what you're saying, and I and and I'm gonna take a stab. I think at what Drew was articulating and and kind of put it in maybe to. to other terms, uh, perhaps, who knows, or maybe I'll just be Smarter boring. terms. But we'll find out. One of the things I, I like, I, one of my interests is, although it has waned in recent years, one of my interests was uh, kind of card games, specifically poker. And I, a, more experienced players dread two things. Uh, 
they dread really well-matched, evenly-matched players uh, in tournament settings. Well-matched, like evenly-matched or better-than-them players, or people that have no idea what the hell they're doing because they should know better to do certain things, yet they do them, and it becomes a lot harder to read them. Now, the longer those players are kind of acclimated, the more they're likely to fall into traditional patterns, and then they're easier to pick off. But if you're in a one- or two- or three-hand setting, going against someone who goes completely off-book can be jarring. And I think that's maybe what we're seeing here, the idea that our technical staff and a lot of our players are coming from situations where, and again, I, it, this makes it sound like we're like dumping on the NASL, and I don't necessarily mean that, but it is second division American soccer. I feel like we've all been pretty realistic about understanding what that means and what that entails, and we're happy with it. But it has a different meaning than, say, second division English soccer or Italian soccer or French soccer or first division, obviously. But I think we are kind of anticipating a game of chess, and a lot of times these games wind up devolving into games of checkers, and we're playing the wrong game. And it it can put us off of our footing. And, and I don't mean to make this sound like, oh, we're smarter than everyone. No, I don't mean that at all. It, it, having a good understanding of where your talent level is and how you can apply it and what you should be doing is key for any manager. And I feel like there are some managers, you mentioned Gunther, who was a, uh, an unquestionable master of that. I mean, considering the circumstances he was thrown into twice and the results that he got, he is the, the king of the mountain when it comes to realizing, okay, well, this is the level of talent I have, this is where we are, this is where we need to go, and this is how we're going to get there, and it gets done. Like, that's a great job of management. Is Gunther Kronsteiner going to take a team in the Premier League and, and apply those same levels too in the, in the English Premier League? I doubt it. But, I mean, maybe he could. Maybe he has those skills. I don't mean to, again, I don't mean to kind of impute him, but, like, he knows how this works, and he knows who he has and who he's going against on a week-to-week basis. And that may be, I think, the almost the biggest issue is what's your talent level and what is it going against and what are they planning and what are they capable of and how can you develop a response to that 30 minutes in, 20 minutes in, instead of waiting 60 or 70. If Again, I, Drew, I don't necessarily mean to speak to you, but I, I that's what I took away from it. Am I way off base? On base. Uh <laughs> Excellent. No, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, the, other, the other thing I just thought of, too, is also you have to look at, like, Jacksonville. They had Tony Miola as their coach this year. Uh, obviously, he's an inexperienced coach, a first-time coach, as well as Nesta. But, you know, you have to kind of look at his career. Uh, you know, he played MLS, uh, you know, uh, U.S. Men's National Team. He was a commentator for uh, – uh, I believe it was Fox Sports 1, but, you know, he, he kind of tried to take reins at Jacksonville and uh, completely didn't work, just got shat on and got, you know, got sacked. But um, was it his fault? Uh, who knows? There's still, you know, I'm not trying to piss on Jacksonville right now, but there's still a subpar team with a, with a new coach. So, you know, what? Yeah. what's going on? <laughs> Boy, we're gonna have to use an explicit tag when we post this. Uh, <laughs> when we post this podcast, Omar, you saying we, we've been dropping f bombs, b bombs? Oh. <laughs> just right off the bat, we should just put Royal Rumble. <laughs> Omar, you saying? <laughs> I don't and think we even a... analyzed the game. We just went into like fuck. <laughs> you, Omar, you saying that you didn't want to swear seemed to be the trigger for swear words. That was the moment where everything went downhill. Um, but 
Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I said that a, I think a couple shows ago. Actually, I said that this show too. Um, yeah, you know, listen. Yes, I'm saying right, the guys... moment you said it this yeah, episode yeah. is when they started to flood. <laughs> listen, man. Listen, man. I've had two Guinnesses and 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 quite a few Yingling here uh, while I'm on location in Orlando. So uh, bear with me. Uh, at least I'm uh, cohesive. Cohesive is not the word. At least I'm speaking coherently. Uh, and you know, we're, we're we're kind of fighting through this together, which is nice. And and I'm glad that our you know all of two listeners have, have stuck with us forty minutes and thirty three seconds now. Yes, you know the 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 our our wild meanderings related to NASL coaching strategies. That's the real ticket for audience, ladies and gentlemen. That's we know the secret <laughs> Absolutely. sauce. Absolutely. So we gotta give the people what they want, <laughs> what they demand, Drew. What, what they, they demand. Want. So, uh, guys. What... What they demand. Alrighty, boys. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the next home game is on Friday, and we do play uh, our cross-state rivals, the Tampa Bay Rowdies. The game is going to kick off at 8 p.m., and there is going to be a appearance by P-Bay. You know, P-Bay. Carlos yes. Valderrama, right? Valderrama. Is it Valderrama? I was going to oh say Valenzuela, but I was Omar, pretty sure on, that wasn't man. right. Valderrama, absolutely. From your old school Miami Fusion days. Yes, I know, Brian. Be quiet. So, I don't know the specials, so I am going to kick it over to uh, Matt. Matt, what are the specials for this game? Uh, so, there are two uh, big things, two big attractions for this game. Uh, the first is the rescheduling of LP Bay's appearance uh, that LP I know Bay. a lot of people in the... The, the Colombian American community, inc- including my wife, very excited about. Um, so, the, arguably the most America, the, the best known Colombian American soccer. Well, I guess maybe Hamas at this point, but uh, of yeah, long established soccer fans, <laughs> El Pibe is the king well, of. Uh, yeah, but I mean, again, the, the 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 true vintage of American soccer supporters. No El Pibe by hair alone. No El Pibe. Uh, and uh, have to be excited for this one. The the other interesting promotion again, uh, El Pibe had to reschedule. He was due to come to the last home game, but uh, rescheduled due to the impending doom that was supposed to have been wrought by Hurricane Matthew. Luckily, we were spared. Uh, the actual promotion for this you. game. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sorry, that's my nickname after all, Hurricane Matthew. If you know what I mean. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> the big promotion that was in place for this game and continues to be is the Oktoberfest package. Uh, I'm sure that's being supported by our friends over at Fritz and Franz. Um, for $40, you get a game ticket on the Sun Terrace, which is located, if I'm m- not mistaken, on the opposite side from the Dade Brigade end. That's correct. Um, so you get a good correct. look at us. Uh, you'll get uh, an inclusive German cuisine buffet. Uh, nothing but rave reviews for the uh, the the German food that again I, has to be provided by Fritz and Franz. Uh, if it's not, I apologize to the front office and whoever is providing it. But considering Fritz and Franz is a sponsor of the team, it, it kind of has to. If be. not, we'll burn the stadium down. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, you, you know, go. we'll get Harold and we'll uh, tear the joint down. Uh, there's complimentary Warsteiner beer, which is delicious. Uh, they have a really good, I believe, it's the Pilsner. Um, and there's live German music, games, and more. And also. There is a post-game concert provided by Locos Por Juana, which is a Grammy Award-winning band uh, based in Miami. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on. It's a very busy game, largely because LP Bay rescheduled this weekend. But there is a, a lot of different uh, uh, balls in the air being juggled by the uh, Miami FC promotions. Uh, and also the game, Friday, October 14th, 8 p.m., Miami FC play the Rowdies at home. 
for the first time since the team's inaugural home game last April. That was quite a fun time. Um, yep. Hopefully we get – yes, Shit hopefully show. we get actually get three points out of it. And hopefully Ralph's Mob <laughs> makes it over here on time with their meat intact instead of what happened last time, which is where they – whatever the heck happened, <laughs> the, the electricity malfunction on the bus or – that's right. Get your stuff yes, together so, and use substitutes. Hashtag concerned about yes, Ralph's mob's so meat. So keep an eye on your meat, Ralph's mob. Um, <laughs> so uh, also, I do want to say, um, unused substitutes. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, they've done more than once now. They've done this. Uh, just kind of mentioning the fact that they've actually have been listening and have been liking what they've heard from us. Uh, so um, thumbs up to them. You know, they're they're our rivals and all that, and, and we'll be uh, hooliganing against them. <laughs> On uh, Friday, but, you know, for, for today, at least for the rest of the week, two thumbs up. Um, any other business to deal with before we get up on out, out of here? Yeah, we're going to go ahead and take a look at the table. Uh, oh, man. Drew, ah, yes, of course. Uh, oh, let me, let me just, let me just uh, punch in some words. So uh, our, our last promotion was the, the bring your dog to the park thing. Uh, yes. N- not so hot. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I think this game, having uh, El Pibe there is a little bit better because he did actually play for the Tampa Bay Mutiny. So maybe there are some... And the Miami Fusion. And the Miami Fusion, right? So yes. maybe there are some fringe fans of both or either either team that we can draw on. So I feel like, actually, this should have been the game that they... they, they uh, uh, slated him for yeah slated him for uh, paid him large sums of money <laughs> to show up uh, but yeah I, I feel like this will this will be better uh, I was kind of uh, shit talking maybe not shit talking but uh, crap talking the attendance numbers earlier but uh, good save I, Drew I think, I think this Friday good save yeah. yeah go ahead I'm sorry we'll just we'll just put cat noises over the shits wow 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 but I feel like this this will be the better one. I actually did see a guy at the last game in a Fusion uh, Valderrama jersey, and I shook his hand and said, you have the best jersey here uh, by far. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there were, there were Colombian people expecting him. You know, maybe not everybody follows it on Facebook. They saw it on a share or something. We're expecting him to be there. But, uh, you know, luckily he rescheduled. Um, Anyway, so Premier League uh, didn't happen because we're on international break. No, and no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I, oh I'm not trying to oh talk boy. about the Premier League, sir. What are we? What are yes, we let's try to talk about the NASL table. Oh, man. I thought you were going to say the Spanish <laughs> ping pong federation, the SPF. Well, well, yes, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Shout out to the Spanish ping pong federation, and you know what? Shout out to the guy with the Carlos Valderrama jersey. God knows what box you had to dig into, full of cobwebs. Oh. To pull out a Miami Fusion Carlos Valderrama jersey. Yeah, yeah, and it was. Hey, legit, I, I am wearing my legit. Miami Fusion. I'm wearing my Miami Fusion jersey on Friday. Uh, you know, I, that is coming out. I, it's not Valderrama well. customized, but it, I will be wearing that jersey for sure. Uh, I am happily married to a, a beautiful Colombian wife, and I am a big fan of Carlos Valderrama. I've been oh, a fan of of, of uh, El Pibe, but yeah, uh, well. even more so. I've, I've we seen are a, Matt in it. Yes, that's room. confirmed. It is a confirmed jersey, and it will be getting busted out on Friday. Um, USA number one, but Columbia is definitely number two. Um, so, uh, anyway, let's do talk about this table, Omar. Uh, do you have it pulled up, or do you want me to run it down? 
Yes, let's talk about the table. Okay. Yes, I have it pulled up because I am ready to go and I am the man with the plan. So in the fall season, we have the New York Cosmos. <laughs> you bastards. Still ahead with 38 points uh, with 19 games played. FC Edmonton uh, in second place with 33 Ooh. points through 18 games. Miami FC in third place with 29 points and out of four Miami FC uh, with 18 games played as well. Look, we've got four games left and uh, the Cosmos have a nine-point lead. Meaning, We're out of- we would need to win all four games, and the Cosmos would have to lose all four games in order for us to win the fall season, which mathematically is just about the equivalent of not being in it. So, as I swipe over to the combined standings here, uh, the New York Cosmos, you bastards. Omar, I... What? I hate to break in, but uh, the Cosmos have played... I'm sorry, am I doing my math wrong there? The Cosmos have played 19, and That's we've played 18, so we have four... Yeah, I'm sorry, Ed. I'm drunk. Even right. not really. I'm okay. just stupid. You're welcome. Go All ahead. right, cool. Yeah, no, you're not drunk, but that's fine. <laughs> All right, so you just can't math. Anyway, so, again, the New York Cosmos with the combined table. Again, uh, those bastards leading the combined table, 56 points and a 23-goal differential. I don't know. What are you guys putting in the uh, in the away team hotel rooms? Are you just guys just leaving bedbugs? That's what I think it is. I'm, I'm accusing New York Cosmos of leaving bedbugs in away team hotel rooms and locker rooms uh, because there's no way you carry a 23-goal differential. No way. Not happening. So, Cosmos in first, 56 points. FC Edmonton has mathematically, as Drew said earlier, uh, secured a spot in the uh, NASL playoffs with 50 points through 28 games. In the 11 with a firm hold, the spring season champions, you know they're already in 45 points. And now, this is where things get dicey. Two points separates fourth through seventh. Ah! Fourth place, Minnesota United, with 29 games, 38 points. Tampa Bay Rowdies, Carolina Railhawks, both have 37 points with 28 games played, meaning they have a game in hand on Minnesota United. And Miami FC also has a game in hand on Minnesota United with 36 points. Does Miami FC currently control their destiny? No, they do not because they are one point behind uh, Tampa Bay and Carolina, and we do not play Carolina the rest of the way going forward. So that being said, if Carolina wins out, they will be the fourth place team headed to the NHL uh, playoffs. If Miami FC wins out, there's a huge six-point game coming up, and we just talked about it against Tampa Bay on Friday night. That's a six-point swing. That's going to mathematically eliminate one of these two teams if either team were to walk away with zero points. So, looking ahead again, Miami FC does have Tampa, then does have a road trip up to Jacksonville before we finish up the season against the Cosmos and Edmonton. I don't think there can be a better feeling for this club and for this fan base than to go into the last game of the season at home against Edmonton knowing that you need at least a point to secure a playoff berth. If you guys can make this happen and win the next three games, I strongly believe that a home draw against Edmonton would solidify the fourth spot. But, again, you no longer control your fate. Carolina can win out and effectively uh, move on into the playoffs and and I said that actually a few weeks ago on the podcast I said I don't want to discount Carolina I don't think at the time that they were in the mix we were sitting uh, I believe fifth and they were sitting seventh but guess what Carolina's been good Carolina's been 2-1-2 and two in their last games and they've been a lot better than teams 4, 5, 6 and 7 um, respectively so that's your NASL table wrap up right there uh, guys any interjections uh, the one thing that I saw that I I did want to mention is, um, you know, 
running down, trying to run down Minnesota and Tampa Bay and Carolina, it becomes one of those situations that, again, I, 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 I'm a huge fan of soccer, yet when I want good analogies, I immediately go away from it. The thing that I, I compare it to September baseball, and when you're looking at those wild card standings and, you know, you're three and a half games out, but there are four teams between you and that last spot, it's really tough because there are so many different wheels in motion. You know, it's you, you have to win and all these other teams have to lose. So it really, it is probably for our best and in our best interest, win and go on. At this point, we can't do any scoreboard watching. We can't focus on where we are, where we are not. We just got to win and move on. And the thing that is interesting, and I think will set up for an interesting game on Friday, as you said, Omar, it does none of these teams any good to walk away with a 1-1 draw. You know, both of these teams have to be out for blood because they've got to figure out a way to jump Carolina and they got to figure out a way to catch up to Minnesota. Uh, you know, I don't think either team will be happy necessarily with a draw. They certainly don't want to lose, but I think they got to go for the three points. So it should be an interesting showdown kind of spurred on by these combined table standings. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, and I'm going to sock quickly because I feel like the skies are opening up on my outside patio here at the hotel, and I can't have my computer getting soaked. But Wednesday night, there is a big tilt. Carolina host Ryo. We need a 1-1 draw out of that game or any draw of that matter. Uh, you do not want Ryo, who's sitting in eighth place, accumulating three points, and you don't want Carolina really accumulating three points either. So a 1-1 draw is what you expect if you're a Miami FC faithful. Obviously, we play Tampa on Friday, but Minnesota United has to play Edmonton at an 8 o'clock tilt on Saturday. Guys, this is going to be an important game to watch for the following reasons. I'm invocating weather. What do I mean by that? Edmonton has proven that they can play in terrible conditions and in the cold, and guess what? It's October. It's wintertime. It's an 8 o'clock match in Minnesota at an outdoor stadium. Temperatures will be falling into the 40s. The Eddies should hopefully for our sake uh walk out with at least one point in that game and uh keep Miami SC mathematically alive uh going into a uh midweek tilt against Jacksonville yeah it's gonna be an interesting couple of days we're gonna I think we're gonna have a much better understanding a week from now of where this team sits and what its playoff chances are likely to be um so that's not important at all. That doesn't, you know, we're, we'll leave with that, you know, nice and easy. Just, you know, the whole season's on the line basically from here on out. Um, <laughs> I did want to mention uh, the, our contest right. and, uh, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> so. Th- this, I, this card I, that I doesn't want to give itself away. I know, I agree. So here, here's what I want to mention. Yes. Uh, Drew, you are aware and Omar, you are, you're both aware now. Uh, that we potentially have another prize to throw in the prize pool. Do you want to do that? Or do you want to reserve Ooh. that for something else? Uh, no, I'm going to say, hell yeah, let's throw another prize Okay, so Omar is currently trying to escape Mother Nature. So this is what we're going to do. Uh, the rules of yeah. our contest remain. You need to name the scorer, who you think will score first for Miami FC, uh, in their next game against Tampa Bay, include a minute mark at what minute you think it is. That will be the tiebreaker if more than one person names that uh, individual. And you will be eligible to win a $25 gift card from our friends at Soccer Locker. However, we have, within the last few hours, uh, procured ourselves our first 
Magic City Soccer Podcast t-shirt, and it is a limited run t-shirt indeed. There are five t-shirts made, one for myself, one for Omar, one for Drew, one for Dade Brigade President Mitchell, and one for our lucky winner. So, if you are interested in procuring a wonderful Vincenzo Ranella t-shirt, Ah, yeah, Vincenzo right. Ranella, numero 67 con formaggio. You heard that right, ladies and gentlemen. If you're inter- if that's something that would interest you, if that's something that you feel would maybe get you to get off your butt and get to your Twitter machine, then that's what you should do. Is go to at Magic City Soccer, reply to the post with this episode, with your guess of who will score first and what time they will score, and you could not only get a twenty-five dollar gift certificate to Soccer Locker, which anyone would say is a wonderful prize, you will also get yourself a limited edition, one of a kind, or should I say five of a kind, but one of a kind for someone who does not actually regularly host or sponsor this podcast, uh, Vincenzo Ranella T-shirt. Uh, I will be posting the images of it on Twitter so you know exactly what we're talking about. But trust me on this one. You're going to want it. Uh, so um, I, I will sweeten I, the pot. And if, oh boy. If, if this is won, if this contest is won this game, because we need to end this goddamn contest. <laughs> if, if this contest is won this game, I will include my personal copy of NASL Soccer for Intellivision to, to the winner. They will win that. Drew, you're talking crazy now. What are you doing? Yeah, you get to win a copy of the only, first and only NASL video game for the Intellivision video game system, which I assume all our listeners own. Of course. And you get a sweet copy of that. Okay. With with the instruction oh. manual. So So this is this is a this is a trifecta of prizes. Okay, so you you heard it here. What's happening? What's happening? Sorry, I had to see oh, Omar got washed away by storms, so he doesn't know what just happened. So again, yeah. to reiterate, <laughs> offer up your guess for who's going to score in our in our next game. Include the minute marker. That will be the tiebreaker. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah, Omar, yes? <laughs> I'm just saying, I whoa, I haven't heard of this contest before. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> if you guess correctly, you will receive... The aforementioned $25 gift certificate to Soccer Locker. Yeah. You will receive a limited edition Magic City Soccer Vincenzo Ranella t-shirt. And you will yeah. receive, apparently, a what, what may be the only copy in existence of NASL <laughs> Soccer Foreign Television. If that doesn't motivate you, ladies and gentlemen, then you need to unsubscribe to this podcast and throw your phone away. Because you don't relate to the world we live in. Okay, that's that's just facts. I'm sorry. You know, we love all of our listeners, but if that doesn't move you, then you're dead. Check your pulse, friend. It's over. You know, call up the Undertaker, dig a hole, and bury yourself. So that's um, that's the situation. Uh, is there any other business to attend to? I take that silence yeah, as why our aren't answer. Yeah, we selling the t-shirts and making a profit? So. <laughs> because we're bad businessmen, Omar. You know this. I don't do maths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll potentially have some uh, some offerings later on. But for now, we, we want to keep this uh, limited and exclusive to us because, uh, yeah, why not? Okay, let's wrap up. Um, on to Friday, gentlemen. On to a win against Tampa Bay. Uh, on to uh, chasing down the Coastal Cup and the combined standing fourth place. How about that, huh? Sounds very nice. Let's do it. All right. So, uh, Omar... 
Omar, as always, thank you for joining us. Please stay safe in the weather. No, I'm I'm wet. <laughs> All right, Omar, thanks for joining us. Go change your clothes. <laughs> All right, Drew, Drew, thanks for joining. Thank you. <laughs> we gotta go. All right, I've been Matthew Bunch. We're at Magic City Soccer on Twitter. You can find us there. Go Miami FC and go Miami Soccer. We're done. Stay wet, folks. Did the Orioles or Mets win it? No. No, they didn't. <laughs>